0: Warhammer fantasy news, hobby, lore, and more. Welcome to the Wargames Orchard with Nathan and GJ. Your needs may be dire, but so are our wolves. This is the Wargames Orchard. Welcome to the show and Happy Halloween everyone! It's GJ today and for this episode we are going to take a look at the direwolves starting in Warhammer Fantasy 3rd edition. But before we do that, as always, let's take a look at some news and hobby. Well, I've really need a hobby. A hobby is supposed to pass the time. Not sure. I did absolutely nothing and it was everything that I thought it could be. I don't really have much to report in terms of hobby because I have not been doing too much this past week. Well, I have been doing a lot of things and some of them are also Warhammer related. But that is because we had the first Dutch Oldhammer Day this past weekend. I have been... There um basically from start to finish doing spending most of my time running a fourth no sorry, a fifth edition campaign. We had four contestants. I was thinking, well, if we have at least three, then I can participate as well. um there were some people who had shown interest and some had cancelled last minute because of work or illness. That can happen, of course. Uh, however, we, we there were four of us. Um, we had a Savage Orc army that was uh, painted up in the past month by a mule, a friend of the show. We have a, a Vampire Counts army that was painted up by me, but borrowed by um, Arnaud, it was. And then we have uh, my buddy Ruland, who played with his Skaven. And I was initially the fourth player with Dark Elves. But Ararat had also brought a friend. And uh, ooh, I'm so terrible with names. I, I believe it was Oscar. Yeah, Oscar is his name. And Oscar had decided to give Warhammer 5th edition a go after 25 years. He took some dwarves that I had brought along. I thought, well, if some people are willing to join in but don't have an army, let's just take a few. So I had brought the vampire counts at Anna's request. And then I also brought high elves, dark elves, and dwarves. Because those are a few armies that I have not played too often. So I thought that would be fun. We had a lovely day playing three battles each. So, so every person played against one of the others. I was a little bit anxious about scenarios, but... They were all received very well. Uh, The one that I played was the magic scenario with the magic spells. I think if I want to do it again, I have to go through the decks first and take out the spells that are only affecting the wizard themselves. Because those spells, when you draw them, they're just not fun and nothing happens and it just sort of... um, delays the game a little bit Uh, fortunately because oscar was joining in i had some time to walk around to do some interviews i did a little segment i recorded at request of joshua from the crown of command podcast he asked me to give a, a bit of an impression so that will be in the next crown of command episode i think i don't know when that will be released um, just keep a lookout for that podcast I thought about doing it here as well but since I think most people who listen to the War Games orchard also listen to crown of command and hopefully also vice versa I thought it would not be very uh, beneficial to have the same segment in two different podcasts so that's why I focus a little bit more on the fifth edition campaign that I held as for other hobby news, I have finished my entry for the uh, War Games Orchard painting challenge and I still have to base it and take a picture and write a story. It is now, as I record it, 10 minutes to 8pm on the 31st of October, so after I finish this podcast I will start basing. I still have to base my Call of the Crown entries as well um yeah well as the organizer for that challenge i think i can be a little bit late but i don't want to um i I will give people a little bit of leeway here and there i don't i'm not going to be very strict on the deadlines and i have seen a lot of fun entries of that trickling in as well we do have uh and I'm saying this off the top of my head, at least one other entry for the Wargames Orchard Halloween Trick or Treat Challenge, and that is a lovely painted regiment of renown, led by Richter Kruger, who is sort of the original trick or treater in the Warhammer fantasy lore. At least that's what Nick Jacob said, who posted a picture of this lovely painted unit they are all in uh, well of course bone color but the theme for the armor and equipment is red and black I think it suits the cursed company really well these colors and just as I'm checking Facebook here I see that Jörn Huntler has submitted his entry six minutes ago He's got uh, G.B. Shaw the Falconer, a failed playwright, and I'm reading this for the first time right as I say this to you, a failed playwright who was recruited by Wilhelm Vallis this August entry for his pursuit of Luan Orcslayer and the Dragon Eggs for the April entry. G.B.'s noble parents at uh, GB's noble parents, at some lost page, at some point, I guess I should say, uh, GB's noble parents, at some point, lost patience with their offspring's literary pursuits and forced him to take up a job as a scout in the kindred's defensive forces. Where he was handed his two birds of prey, trick and treat. Not being too much into the physicality of battle, GB has trained his two birds to perfection. Trick, a night owl just like his owner he usually approaches the targets first, fooling it with the cute things that cute night owls do. When the target is sufficiently distracted, treat a vicious falcon from the pine crags goes in for the kill. Absolutely lovely, it's the, uh, I think it's the original score, the Falconer figurine. Um, a very beautiful paint job, very vibrant green colors on the trousers. The uh, falcons, uh, or the falcon and the owl, are attached to the arm by by ribbons, I think they are. I'm not even sure here. Might be airflows. Scores um, carrying a, uh, a whip uh, with some, was cat of nine tails, but I think these are. This would be a cat of three tails. I don't think much conversion have gone into the model, but I don't, I'm don't. i not too intimately familiar with it. Uh, it is a very nice in- entry. Uh, thanks, Joran, for your entry. Uh, let's see if any others come up during the course of the podcast, or maybe later, and if so, then I will shout them out next week. For the November co- uh, Warhead Games Orchard Challenge we will have a new theme and the theme that i thought of is going to be no shave november i have no idea if that's still a thing but this is basically anything to do with hair i'm going to put no uh, between brackets so uh, in parentheses, i believe it's called it might be a english america thing i'm not sure now. But um, so you have a uh, bracket, no, not a bracket, and then shave November. So anything to do with hair, a, uh, a barber, which is probably also a surgeon in the old world. Um, you can also think of Slayers, you can think of uh, uh, what's he called, Cousin It from the Adams family, the hairy dude. Uh, Anything you want to do that has something to do with shaving or not shaving at all. That's it for the hobby segment. For the next segment, I have a very special guest that I am going to use to introduce it. Please, everybody, give it up for Bella Lugosi. listen to them children of the night what music they make yes that is correct we are going to talk about dire wolves the for you, for you those of you who don't know and i'm pretty sure that's not possible with someone like nathan who has i think been talking about these classic monster movies more than once in the podcast this was a small segment from uh, the 1931 I believe movie uh, Dracula where uh, Bela Lugosi played uh, the Count himself Uh, a very nice movie it's all in black and white you can probably find it on YouTube I watched it a little under a year ago no a little over a year ago for the first time and Knowing the book a little bit, it really holds up. So if you're into that kind of stuff, uh, please go check it out. And also, while you're at it and while you're still in the Halloween mood, there are some other lovely movies from that era, like Frankenstein, The Mummy, The Wolfman. Um, Go check them out as well. For today, I have thought about doing a Halloween-themed... Um, creature from the warhammer world at first i thought about doing spiders because i am terribly afraid of spiders this is a completely role reversal but when i see a spider in the house i ask my wife to come and take it out and when i see a spider in my office i have this salt table salt shotgun Um, that I can use as a bug zapper and I will just shoot from a distance pretty much point blank range but not too close until the spider stops moving that's uh, how much I don't like spiders but well spiders are not so much halloweeny especially not in the warhammer world but they are more connected to the orcs and goblins and while you do a Halloween special, you pretty much want something from the Vampire Counts or the Undead book. So that's why I settled for the Dire Wolves. Dire Wolves were not a thing in 1st and 2nd edition. In 1st and 2nd edition, you do have wolves. But these are called either Pack Wolves or Giant Wolves. And the Pack Wolves being just the creatures you can encounter... Um, also here in the real world, and the giant wolves, of course, being the wolves that are ridden by the goblins. Dire wolves make their first appearance in the 3rd edition Warhammer Fantasy rulebook. I do apologize, by the way, if you sometimes hear a child in the background. I have the baby monitor here with me, my wife is out, and... Both of my kids are feeling a bit under the weather, that's uh, just the time of year I guess. They are little nurglings in disguise and well they are still very cute but then again so are nurglings. Otherwise GW wouldn't have made them into a plushie. Um, Well enough about nurglings, let's discuss direwolves. In the third edition, rulebook, it says the direwolf is the largest and most feared of all the wolves that inhabit the old world. It is only marginally larger than the giant or great wolf, but it is a far more dangerous adversary. Direwolves are at least as intelligent as humans and they are far stronger. Fortunately, they are rare. Even more, fortunately, they are only seen by night giving rise to the folk belief that they are supernatural rather than material creatures. This belief is further encouraged by the fact that their fur is jet black. A night, at night, only their glowing red eyes may be seen flickering amongst the depths of the forests. Diabolves are highly intelligent creatures, although evil ones. It is rumored that they converse in their own secret tongue, they can certainly understand the speech of some other creatures, although they are unable to speak ordinary humanoid languages. They are murderous creatures with little compassion or pity for other races. They are uncompromising carnivores, preferring the flesh of human infants. It is said that it is said by the wet nurses of Stirland. That if the cry of a newborn baby is accompanied by the cry of a direwolf the infant will be dead within the month. Direwolves have certainly slain whole families before now. Well that turned dark and halloweeny really quick if you ask me. Direwolves have the alignment evil or chaotic they are on 25 by 50 millimeter base sizes their special rules are they only appear under the cover of darkness. Daylight will drive them back into the dark forest from which they came. And the howl of a direwolf is terrible to listen to. A direwolf may howl in any turn as long as it is not engaged in hand to hand combat, causing fear six inches. So I guess this is me not knowing 3rd edition that he causes. Fear everything within a 6 inch radius to take a fear check and maybe run away. Direwolves are Movement 9, Weapon Skill 5, Ballistic Skill 0, Strength 4, Toughness 4, 3 Wounds Initiative 4, 2 Attacks Leadership 9, Intelligent, Cool and Willpower are all at 7 and they cost 70 points apiece. Now, in 3rd edition, Direwolves are not yet linked specifically to the Undead. That won't happen until we get to 5th edition. In the Vampire Counts army book that was released in 5th edition, dire wolves appear for the first time in, well, basically what you might call their sort of final iteration. They disappear in 4th edition. I was a bit surprised that they weren't around in the 4th edition undead book. The lore has changed a bit as well from 3rd edition to 5th edition. The land of Sylvania is plagued by giant wolves that sometimes emerge from their haunts, high in the world's edge mountains and destroy entire villages. Men of the Empire hunt these beasts mercilessly, but unfortunately that is not always enough. Even from beyond the grave these awful creatures come back to terrorize men. The carcasses of these wolves are buried in great pits, but the cursed earth of Sylvania does not allow them to rest. Often they burrow their way through the rotting layers of earth and emerge to hunt once more. Their howls from beyond the world of the living are frightening in the extreme. These ended wolves are the hunting packs of the vampires. They gather around the castles of the vampire lords and follow the princes of undeath to war. Direwolves have skull-like heads and rotting black fur. Their eyes glow with unnatural light and their bodies dissolve into nothing when they are finally slain. The strongest wolves, the ones that in life led the packs, are called Doom Wolves. They are specially raised by vampires to lead their own packs in an unending service of garnish and darkness. Direwolves still have a movement of nine they have a weapon skill decrease. Talking about third edition, from five to three. They still have ballistic skill zero and strength four, but their toughness has decreased one point as well to three. They have one wound, initiative two, one attack, and leadership four. They have the special rule: command group. Dwarves cannot have banners or musicians. Every pack can be led by a Doom wolf who is treated as a champion. A Doom Move has an extra attack, an extra strength, and an extra weapon skill, and one point of initiative higher than the regular wolf. Uh, the Doom Move cannot fight in challenges, nor does not benefit from Lookout Sir, and it cannot use magic items. And they have the special rule charge. Wolves and Doom Moves overpower their enemies as they charge. They therefore have one extra attack during the turn that they charge in. With a movement of 9, charging is not going to be too hard. Direwolves are in the regiments section. You can have any number of direwolves, they cost t- 10 points per model. Um, they have uh, no save, they have claws as equipment, the doom move costs 25 points, and they follow all the special rules for undead. Between 5th edition and 6th edition, the lore for the direwolves has not changed. These are still wolves coming down from the mountains and then getting buried in the cursed earth of Sylvania. Direwolves are now, um, I think they are more or less the same stats. They are now a little bit less. Web skill, movement 9 still, web skill 3, ballistic skill 0. Strength 3, Toughness 3, 1 Wound Initiative 3, 1 Attack, and Leadership 6. So they did get a little bit of a leadership increase, but their strength has gone down to 3. The Doom Wolf now simply has one extra attack on his profile. They do have these special rules, Fast Cavalry. They fight in fast, loose packs and are definitely treated, therefore treated as Fast Cavalry. And they also have the rule Slavering Charge. Direwolves and Doomwolves overpower their enemies as they charge. However, they do not get an extra attack in this edition, but they get an extra strength. Their attacks are therefore resolved at strength 4 during the turn that they charge. I'm not sure how this will work, but it does say that their attacks are resolved at strength 4. So if for some reason you could either boost or decrease their strength. rules as written, they would still strike at strength 4 on the charge. However, I'm pretty sure that if you interpret it to the spirit of the rules, they would have plus 1 strength. wolves are still 10 points per model. They come in units of 5 to 20. They have no armor, no equipment. You can get a Doom Wolf for an additional 10 points and they are a core unit in 6th edition, and they will be in 7th and 8th as well. In 7th edition, the lore for direwolves is not so much changed, but expanded upon a little bit. These are still the giant wolves that emerge in the winter from their high lairs high in the world's edge mountains. Driven by hunger, they descend to the foothills in large packs, attacking farms and villages and preying on travellers out in the wild. The men of the Empire hunt these beasts mercilessly, but this only serves to keep their numbers in check and their voracious attacks at bay for a short time. In the blighted lands of Sylvania, wolf corpses must be burned or buried deeply, for those that are not will return from the dead and continue to hunt in unlife. Even when these precautions are taken and the bodies of these monstrous wolves are buried in deep pits, the dark magic can gather and resurrect them. Half rotted, their fur matted with blood and grime, the animated carcasses claw their way through the earth to hunt again. The smell of decaying flesh around them, maggots writhe in open wounds, and charred skin hangs from their bones in ragged flaps. These direwolves are the hunting hounds of the vampires. They gather in great packs around the castles and towers of the undead lords of Sylvania, their piercing howls echoing for miles across the still night. When the princes of Undead march to war, the direwolves follow, treating the vampire as their pack leader. Though undead, their senses are as keen as they were in life, and the direwolves lead the army. Tracking down the living. In battle, the direwolves are often uh, often speed along the ranks of the undead army, driving away enemy cavalry and picking on small, vulnerable regiments or war machine crews. Direwolves are macabre parodies of normal wolves. Their flesh hangs in tatters from cracking bones, their skulls and innards exposed through tears in their skin. They are swathed in an eerie, glimmering twilight, and their eyes glow with unnatural energy. The stench of death hangs on their hot breath, and their howls cause shivers of fear to freeze the bold of the bravest warriors. I'm sure that should be the blood of the bravest warriors. When they are slain, their bodies dissolve into a coiling miasma, leaving nothing behind. Vampires sometimes breed these creatures in pens deep below their castles and towers, feeding them on local peasants and goading them to the heights of viciousness. The vampires imbue their creations with dark magic to increase vitality and bestow a callous cunning. Those, these monstrous creatures are known as Doom Wolves, and the vampires send these larger more intelligent beasts to lead the dire wolf packs. The stat lines for the Dire and the Doom remain mostly unchanged between these two editions. The only real difference is that their leadership is decreased from six to three. They are still fast cavalry, and they are also undead. In the uh, in this edition, the seventh edition, Dire Wolves lose their slavering charge rule. They do not get an extra attack, nor an extra strength. You also pay the points for that, because direwolves are now only 8 points apiece. As I said, they are 4 units, and uh, their unit size is still uh, 5 to 20. They have a note saying they do not count towards your minimum core unit requirement. And you can still upgrade one direwolf to a doom wolf for an extra 10 points. In the 6th edition vampire Counts book, direwolves were also undead. Uh, if it wasn't apparent from the lore, then um, it, it's just because I, all the units in the army list have that rule, except when they are not dead and then they have the special rule alive. I'm going to check real quick if direwolves are not also in 6th edition, if they don't have the same rule that they don't count towards the minimum number of core units. Uh, no, I don't think so. It doesn't say here that. Uh, it just says that direwolves have a unit strength of two per model. Not that they do not count towards your minimum number of core choices, which they do in 7th edition. So I think this is going to be the least useful edition, which well is a bit fitting because I think many people see 7th edition as well not going to say the least useful, but it was it at least the edition that seemed to get the least love. In 8th edition, direwolves do get their slavering charge rule back. Direwolves are See here, their uh, lore remains unchanged. It is word for word the same as it was in the seventh edition. Uh, they have a troop type. This edition they are war beasts. The stat lines have also remained exactly the same as they were in seventh edition. They now have these special rules: undead, as has everything in the vampire cards army, and a vanguard. And Vanguard means that you can move this unit up the board up to 12 inches before the battle starts. They have got their Slavering Charge back, and now it is worded the way I think it was supposed to be worded in 6th edition. In a turn that they successfully charge, Dire and Doom Wolves add plus 1 to their strength. Dire Wolves in 8th edition are 8 points per model, they still are 8 points per model. You can still upgrade a direwolf to a doomwolf for 10 points. And you can still take them in units of 5 to 20. Now I have looked through these books for a bit of lore featuring direwolves. But there is not really much of it. There are some pieces, some fluff pieces where they are mentioned a little bit. But not of dire wolves performing great deeds in battle, uh, or maybe something like what you see in the Two Towers film, where well, it's the wolves and the goblins riding them are attacking the uh, the party that leaves from Adoras towards Helm's Deep. I know it didn't happen that way in the in the books, but um, well, you do see those nasty-looking wolves going. At uh, going for the throat of the horses and the uh, and the riders there. There are some other things that we need to mention about the dire wolves, and the first is their models. I'm not sure what models they had in third edition, but I believe in uh, fifth and sixth edition these were your regular plastic wolves. With a metal head that you could put on. The Doom Wolf was a different model. That one was all metal. And then in 7th edition the models changed. They got that plastic kit. And the models that were in that kit fit a lot more with the description that I just read out. Of um, rotting flesh hanging from cracking bones. And... The, the wolves are a lot more rotted away, a lot more open in the 6th edition and 5th edition iteration. If you just had your normal plastic wolves and you painted them black and you gave them red or glowing green eyes and you put them in with the rest, they would look like dire wolves, no problem. Um, these 7th edition models, and that, those were also the ones that I used in 8th edition, they might still be around nowadays. I think they are still for Age of Sigma. not sure on that one. Uh, but these wolves are a lot more undead looky, a lot more undead themed. So if you're going for that um, look of realism, you should get those. And if you prefer the more tame, I might even say, version, you should go get those. Uh, see if you can get your hands on those old plastic wolves. Now, before I leave you to go trick-or-treating or or whatever it is you want to do on this Halloween evening or whenever, whatever other time it is you listen to this podcast, we do have something to look at here pertaining to the direwolves, which is the vampire bloodlines. In 5th edition, direwolves are linked to the von Karstein bloodline. The Von Karsteins have two bloodline powers that have something to do with wolves. The first one is wolf form. It is a five points bloodline power and it basically says that some of the vampires can change their shape to that of a wolf uh, or a great bat or a whirl of mist, but it's all called wolf form, although there's also a no never mind that there's also a bat form which costs 40 points. Um we're going to discuss that one another time. The wolf form says the ability only works in the vampire's own movement phase and only for a normal move. It cannot be used to charge, flee, pursue, etc. Note that the vampire moving in wolf form has a movement of nine inches and can march and is affected by terrain as normal. The vampire if the vampire is in a unit with a movement value higher than his normal move of six inches, the unit can't. They can still charge with him, but it will be limited to the vampire's charge distance of 12 inches. This ability can be used only by vampires on foot. It's a bit, is worded a bit weirdly here, but um, it basically says that you can probably, the way I see this is put your vampire in a unit of direwolves and have him, march up the board with those wolves I'm not sure if they can, I think they can in this edition and then however if you charge your charge distance is 12 inches because wolf form cannot be used to charge. The other bloodline power is called summon wolves. The vampire produces a loud spine chilling wail that pierces the darkness and calls for help from the creatures of the night. Oh they should have said children of the night these beasts are slaves to the implacable will of the Karstein blood. Once per game the vampire can use his power at the start of one of his turns to summon d3 plus 1 wolves. Roll a dice to determine where the creatures will come from. On a 1 it is his own table edge, on a 2-3 the left edge from the end of the player's point of view on a 4 to 5 the right table edge, and on a 6 the opponent's table edge. The unit comes in from the center of the edge and can move normally but cannot charge the turn it arrives, and this bloodline power costs you 30 points. These same two powers return in 6th edition, also for the von Karstein bloodline summon wolves is 25 points you can still use it once per game to summon not D, d3 plus 1 but a mere d3 dire wolves you have to immediately calculate the victory points value of this new unit it can enter from any table edge in the same way as a unit that has pursued an enemy off of the table the other one wolf form has gone up in points from 5 to 20 and this one says Simply now, the movement of the vampire has increased to 9 as long as he is moving on foot. So now you can charge with a movement of 9. In 7th edition, we see the disappearance of the bloodlines, but the vampiric powers are still there. These are now divided into 6 different Categories and in the category the master we find the bloodline power summon creatures of the night again GW missed opportunity 15 points this bloodline power casts wolves and bats answer the magical call of the vampire bolstering its forces The vampire may use invocation of Nehek to increase units of direwolves, swarms and fell bats beyond their starting size he adds plus one to his casting roll when casting Invocation of Nehek on these units. Now Invocation of Nehek, as you may or may not know, is the spell, the, the standard spell, the what would later be a signature spell of the Vampire counts. It is the spell that allows you to raise more undead units. Um, looking here real quick and see if I can find it in the book. These seventh edition books are a little bit difficult to navigate. They put the spells in, in the bestiary section with the necromancers and not in their own section. Invocation of Nehek is cast on a four plus. It is a necromancy spell. And you have to target one of your own undead units or characters within 18 inches to target units regains D6 wounds worth of models. Units with the Vampire or Ethereal rule and non-infantry units are harder to heal and only ever regain a single wound. So um, what has changed and then goes on to say how these units are uh, extended, how they are uh, expand upon uh, the, uh, the the change is that these units now no longer regain wounds but can be increased beyond their starting size that's the one so uh at 15 points it's uh, pretty nice if you want to uh, get some more wolves in there they are non-infantry I guess so They only ever regain a single wound, so you'll have to spend a lot of spells to make this one worthwhile, I think. But I'm not a Vampire Counts player in 7th edition. I haven't played 7th edition a lot, especially not with Vampire Counts. So I'm not quite sure if I interpret this correctly. Let's quickly move on to 8th edition, where we also have the Vampiric Power uh, Summon Creatures of the Night... It is now no longer 15 points but 10 points and it uses the same wording, you can use the Invocation of Nehek spell to increase units of dire wombs, bat and and felbats beyond their starting size. Invocation of Nehek in this edition is cast on a 6+, it is an augment spell that targets all friendly under units within 6 inches. They immediately regain a number of wounds as follows. D6 plus the caster wizard level in wounds for infantry. Uh, Other troops 1 plus the caster's wizard level in wounds. And models with the vampiric, ethereal or large target special rules can never regain more than one wound per successful casting. So in this case it is a little bit better because if you cast this with a level 4 vampire... You gain 5 wounds on a single casting. And you can then choose the uh, to, to boost the spell, to extend the range to 12 inch on a 12 plus or 18 inch on an 18 plus. Might be useful, I think it's a lot more useful in 8th edition than it would have been in 7th edition. Well, whatever it is, please let me know that's going to be it for this episode i hope you enjoyed it and i hope you will have or have had a very happy halloween thank you very much for listening and see you next time thanks for listening you can connect with us on instagram or email us at wargamesorchard at gmail.com and don't forget to join us on facebook at the warhammer orchard has come to an end.